and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm Reverend Kristen Hyden, the senior pastor here at East Cobb United Methodist Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us for virtual worship today. This morning or this afternoon or this evening, whenever you are catching worship today, we continue with our August sermon series entitled Believing the Impossible, Wisdom from Children's Literature. Each week we are looking at a children's book and what it has to tell us about the life of faith. A life of faith that sometimes invites us to believe what the world says is impossible. And we've seen and grown in wisdom from these children's books that open up our imagination to what believing the impossible can mean for us as individuals and for us as a community. Today, I'm grateful to have one of the teachers from our East Cobb United Methodist Church preschool sharing our children's book with us. Kim Thomas is one of the teachers at the preschool, and today she'll be reading The Naked Mole Rat Gets Dressed by Mo Willems. As we prepare to hear her read the story and then for the scripture to be read and proclaimed, I invite you to join with me in this responsive reading, preparing our hearts and our minds to receive the movements of the Holy Spirit within us and among us. There's a beauty and a wonder that exists in the minds of children, a willingness and even a desire to believe the impossible. And yet, as we grow older, we begin to reject that willingness and resist that desire. But our faith tells us something different. Our faith leads us to believe the impossible. Jesus said, nothing is impossible with God. When Mary, a virgin, didn't think she could bear the Son of God, Jesus said, nothing is impossible with God. When the people said the blind couldn't see and the lame can't walk, Jesus said, nothing is impossible with God. When the religious leaders said those outside the community can't be saved, Jesus said, nothing is impossible with God. When his followers said Jesus was dead and they walked away from the cross, Jesus said, nothing is impossible with God. And still today, when we say that the world is beyond saving, all hope is lost and love cannot be found, Jesus says, nothing is impossible with God. So let us all reignite our willingness and our desire to believe the impossible with God, because nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Hello, my name is Kim Thomas, and I will be reading you a book today called The Naked Mole Rat Gets Dressed by Mo Williams. There is so much to learn about the fascinating little creatures known as the naked mole rats. But for this story, you only need to know three things. One, they are a little bit rat. Two, they're a little bit mole. And three, they are all naked. <laughs> well, they were, with one exception, Wilbur. 
the naked mole rats who like to get dressed. Hello. When the other naked mole rats saw him, they said, Ew, yuck, what are you doing? I like clothes, replied Wilbur. When I get dressed, I can be fancy or cool or funny or I can just be an astronaut. When the others heard that, they said, Ew, yuck. If you like clothes so much, then why don't you open a store or something? Naked mole rats can be very sarcastic. But Wilbur thought that that was a great idea. The other naked mole rats did not. <laughs> they brought Wilbur to this giant portrait of Grandpa, the oldest, the greatest, and the most naked, naked mole rat ever. Look at that picture, they demanded. Look at his heroic face. Look at his regal bearing. Look at his total lack of clothing. Grandpa did look heroic. Grandpa did look regal. But he would also look heroic and regal in a casual shirt and some summer slacks. Ugh, said the other mole rats. Don't you get it? Naked mole rats don't wear clothes. Why not? Asked Wilbur. Something had to be done. The naked mole rats marched right over to Grandpa and told him all about Wilbur. And then he asked, why not? He thought very seriously about everything that he heard. Grandpa was wise, very wise. Ah, uh, then he thought some more. Hmm. Finally, he said in a heroic, regal voice, gather the colony, I shall make a proclamation. A proclamation, a proclamation, a proclamation. When Wilbur heard about Grandpa's proclamation, he knew it was serious. But he had no idea what to wear. In the end, Wilbur decided to play it safe. Maybe not too safe. The others were so busy looking at Wilbur's socks that no one noticed Grandpa enter until he cleared his throat and proclaimed, <coughs> Fellow naked mole rats, 
I had never worn clothes until I heard Wilbur's simple question, why not? Why not indeed? Do clothes hurt anyone? No. Are they fun? Well, they may not be for everyone, but this old naked mole rat wishes he had tried getting dressed earlier. Then Grandpa complimented Wilbur on his socks. As fast as his legs could take him, Wilbur rushed home, put on his favorite outfit, and dashed back. When he returned, Wilbur discovered he was not alone. Much has been said about that day, but for this story, you only need to know three things. One, some of the mole rats were naked. Two, some of the mole rats were clothed. And three, all of the mole rats had a great time. And that was no exceptions. The end. I hope you enjoyed The Naked Mole Rat Gets Dressed by Mo Williams. Author Mo Williams is most notably known for two series of books. One about the relationship between elephant and piggy, and another about a pigeon who wants to do a variety of things that maybe pigeons shouldn't do. They are character-driven books. But then he wrote this book, Naked Mole Rat Gets Dressed, and it seemed a bit different from the style of story that he had previously told. And so when being interviewed about Wilbur's story, he was asked, what about this book sets it apart? What makes it different for you? And he answered this way. He said it wasn't a story about a character discovering something, but a whole community discovering something. And that something is, you can accept mole rats who are different from the mole rat that you are. It wasn't just a story about a character, but about a whole community. A whole community who believed that in order for them to be community, they all had to think, look, be, act alike. And yet here comes Wilbur, who dares to be different who dares to believe what the rest of the community says is impossible, that I can wear clothes and still be a part of our naked mole rat family. This belief of the impossible, that different can still be accepted, is crucial to how we live our lives Right? It's something that not just naked mole rat communities need to know and understand, but something that we in our human communities need to know, understand, 
believe and live into. But as I read and heard this story of Wilbur and of Grandpa and all the rest of the naked mole rats, I realized there is a second impossible that needed it to be believed. It wasn't just that we can accept those who are different than we are, but that we can actually change our minds, change the way we have understood life to be, and look at it in a whole new way. That's what Grandpa did in the story, right? What he believed to be true about his community began to change when he saw the way Wilbur acted and responded and lived his life. So that got me thinking, is it impossible for us to change our ways? To change what we believe about who we are, what we believe about our community, even what we believe about God? Is that impossible? Or might we be able to do that? And not only are we able to do that, but are we invited to do that as we live out our life of faith? So I immediately thought of the story of Peter and Cornelius that we find in Acts chapter 10. One afternoon while praying, Cornelius, Cornelius who was a Roman centurion, sees a vision in which an angel of God tells him to send for a man named Peter who is staying in Joppa. Now Cornelius is a Gentile. He is not a Jew, but, but a Gentile. We're told that he's a God-fearer, but he has not gone through that conversion process. And yet here, God sends him a vision. Now, while Cornelius's men are on their way to Joppa to find Peter, Peter is praying on the roof of the home where he is staying. And while he's praying, he falls into a trance, into a spirit-filled trance, and receives a vision from God. He sees a vision of something like a sheet coming down from heaven. And it has all kinds of animals on it, both clean and unclean. And he hears a voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter, of course, is shocked in this vision. God, you know that I am a good Jewish man. I follow the good Jewish law. I will not kill and eat what you have said is unclean. By no means, Peter says, I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. But the voice speaks again to Peter saying, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. Now this happens three times in Peter's vision. Three is a very holy number as you well know, happens three times in Peter's vision, and then the sheet is taken back up into heaven. 
Peter kind of awakes from this trance and is so puzzled by what he's seen and what he's heard. You can just picture him sitting there going, what just happened? And while he's trying to make sense of it all, the men sent by Cornelius arrive at this home and they ask for Peter and they tell him about the vision that Cornelius has had that has led to them coming to find him and to bring him back with them. And so Peter and some of the other believers go with these men to Caesarea. Caesarea, what is now the Roman capital of Palestine, the center, the hub of it all. And there Cornelius has gathered a, a large group of family and friends to hear what Peter has to say. But when Peter arrives, he first listens to Cornelius, what Cornelius has to say to his story. And as he listens, the meaning of his own vision becomes clear. Peter believes that God has shown him that he cannot consider any person, not just any animal, but any person unclean. Acts chapter 10, starting at verse 34, Peter says, I really am learning that God doesn't show partiality to one group of people over another. Rather, in every nation, whoever worships him and does what is right is acceptable to him. This is the message of peace he sent to the Israelites by proclaiming the good news through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. This is the word of God for us the people of God. Thanks be to God. Peter, here, a loyal servant of God, a loyal follower of Jesus Christ, comes to see that this community of faith that he thought had, had walls and barriers and parameters no longer does. But as he enters the home of this Gentile man, as he hears the story of this Gentile man, as he hear, hears how God has called, has spoken into the life of this Gentile man, Peter sees the truth that Christ has proclaimed. That in Christ's life, in his death and through his resurrection, no longer are there Jew and Gentile, but all are one in Christ Jesus. Now, this was a huge revelation because things were very, very strict about the line drawn between Jew and Gentile. And any Gentiles who wished to convert to Christianity, who wished to become followers of Christ, had to first convert to Judaism and then become followers of Christ. And so Cornelius was probably wanting to do this, right? He was a God-fearing man, but he had not gone through the process because what did that process entail? Well, it entailed circumcision. And that just wasn't happening for so many of the Gentiles. 
but now through this interaction that the Spirit of God has coordinated, has orchestrated. Peter now sees that there isn't this progression that has to happen, that God's people are not just the Jewish people, but God's people are all people. All who choose to follow their Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Now previously, right, table fellowship was huge and a huge dividing line, right? Jews and Gentiles did not eat together because it would have been considered unclean. And yet we're told here that Peter enters Cornelius' house and they share the table together. That, that although it seems so maybe silly for our 21st century minds, that was a mind blowing for the first century church. In fact, it, it took many, many years after this happened for it to become a common practice. And for the two communities, Jew and Gentile, to come together and to see that together in following Christ, they become one together. And for Peter, I mean, for Peter, this was two impossible things coming together. Not only did he now see that these separating lines, these barriers between the two communities no longer existed, he now believed something different about God, who he understood God to be, how he understood God to be active and present in his life and in his world changed as a result of this vision and as a result of this interaction. As one commentator even writes, something in Peter died that day, but something in Peter was resurrected that day as well. His understanding about how God worked and that God required folks to become part of the Jewish community, that belief died. And a new belief about God came into existence. What does that mean for us? As people of God who live in this world, where we now have seen how, how God can work through a number of different people and a number of different communities. We see what happens when communities become united together and we don't just push away our differences, but lift them up and celebrate them within community. But are we willing to go a step further like Grandpa did in our story, like Peter did in our scripture. To allow our minds and our hearts to be transformed by our experiences of community and to say that maybe something we once believed about God, we now see and believe differently. 
think that's what our journey of faith is all about, right? We don't just become converted. We don't just get baptized. We don't just say, hey, I'm a believer. Boom, period, end of story. But we continue to live into our faith, to live into this story of who God is and who we are as God's children. So might we have the courage, have the strength, have the desire even to say, God, show me what I may have gotten wrong. Help me see that these things that are so ingrained within me might be transformed through the power of your Holy Spirit. And there's a purpose behind it, right? It's not just God shaking a finger and saying, I told you you were wrong. But God saying, no, let me expose you to a new part of my character. Let me expose you to the depth of my love and my grace. Let me show you a new part of how my mercy extends in this world. Might we believe the impossible? That we can see and experience new things about who God is and how God works in our world. For we'll be open and ready to hear it and to receive it. So this week I challenge you to look hard and close at the things you believe about who God is, about who the people are that God has called, who the people are that God loves. And see, see what else God might be wanting to show you about who God truly is. What sheets from heaven might come down before your eyes and reveal a whole new host of characters for the kingdom of God here on earth. Will you pray with me? Holy Lord, our God, you have shown us that our minds, our understandings can be so limited while yours is so grand and vast. So God, we pray that your spirit might work within us, that we might only see, not only see the beauty of a diverse community, but that we might also begin to examine those things that we believe about you and that you would open our eyes to new and beautiful, wonderful, love-filled, grace-filled aspects of your character that not just transform our hearts, but have the power to transform our community and to transform our world. So that we might live into the beauty and the truth of the kingdom of God here on earth. All this we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. I'm grateful for your continued support of East Cobb United Methodist Church as we continue through this pandemic season. I'm grateful for the ways that you continue 
to gather, although not physically, but virtually, for the ways that you continue to grow in faith, love, and joy, and for the ways that you are going to serve Jesus and our world through mission. And all that is possible through your prayers, through the works of your hands and your feet, and through your gifts. So in just a moment, you'll see a slide on how you can continue to support the ministry and work of East Cobb United Methodist Church. And we thank, thank you for all your gifts and offerings.